Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national NBA writer for the Washington Post. And I'm very happy today to be joined by my friend Eric Gunderson from the Columbian, uh, who covers the Portland Trailblazers, who have been, I think, maybe the biggest surprise in the NBA this season, and now find themselves in the second round against the Golden State Warriors with you know, basically their whole season coming down to game three of their series on Saturday night after dropping the first two games in Oakland this week. So Eric, um, how's it going? And what is the mood like in, uh, in Portland and in the surrounding environs heading into, uh, ending into this game on Saturday? Well, I'm doing pretty good, Tim. Uh, thanks for having me. Glad to, glad to be on the podcast. Uh, congratulations. I know you've been at this job for quite a while, but I just want to say it again. Appreciate it, man. Um, anyway, um, yeah, no, I think, um, the Blazers season has kind of been characterized by their ability to move on from failure quickly. They started 11 and 20. So, you know, th- this has kind of been, a the, the same, it, it's the same old tune for them. You know, they were down 0-2 against the Clippers. They came back, obviously got lucky there with some injuries, but right now I think they, they really, they, that one hurt game two. Uh, Damian Lillard said that he wanted nothing to do with the game of basketball and only watched the Cavs Hawks game when he heard that the Cavs were setting a playoff record for three pointers. And so, like, I mean, for them, you know, even as guys that, you know, have been pretty good at rolling with the punches, that one hurt the other night because I just think that, you know, no one's saying it, but deep down they know that, like, losing that game was really their chance to win the series or at least make it, you know, to really give themselves a chance and put the pressure on the Warriors. Yeah, that was my thought watching it. You know, you, you kind of get through those first three quarters and you're thinking, you know, maybe the Blazers can pull this off and, you know, you know, maybe at least at least make the Warriors think about bringing Steph back early and maybe make this interesting. And then, you know, Clay hits a couple big shots in the fourth quarter and they shut Damian down and, and they win that game. And, you know, it did it did kind of feel like, it did kind of feel like the air went out of the balloon. And I know we were talking before the, the podcast started and it, it, you know, it seemed like, you know, they, they really, you know, we were kind of talking about both the, the Thunder Spurs series, which I'm at here in Oklahoma city and, and, in the series you're covering it, it. It did kind of feel like the Blazers went into that game knowing that they had to do everything they could and try everything they could to try to get a win, because that was to your point, you know, the, the one chance they really had to, to make this interesting. Cause even, even though, you know, going up to the Rose Garden is a is a hard place for anyone to play. You know, dropping these first two games to the Warriors, you know, a team with this much experience now and that's this good, um, really is just too much of a task for for any team to try to overcome. Yeah, going down 0-2, I mean, it, I really thought, yeah, they they know they know that, and I I, I, that, I think that's what is is making them so angry. I think that's why also around here fans got really, you know, it's funny like they were angrier about losing a second round game when. You know, six months ago, everyone wanted this team to tank, and you know they're they're more angry right now in the second round that they lost than they were when they went down 0-2 against the Clippers. So, you know, I, I think now that 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 feeling that they could have had a chance is really the the one that's that's you know the dominant feeling right now with Portland and and the team. But you know, I, they they're going to be in, in front of the home crowd, Rose Garden, Portland crowd is is really you know, wild and they've been great in the postseason and the Blazers have played with a lot of energy. So, um, and you know, the Warriors, they, the, I, the Blazers played really good. And I think the biggest takeaway for them now after getting past that is just take, trying to take what they did in those first three and a half quarters and just trying to sustain it for those last six minutes. And 
Uh, I don't know if they can do that just because the Warriors are just so, so good and seem to have an answer for, I mean, they have an answer for every lineup that they put out there. It doesn't matter where Portland goes big or small. It's just the Warriors have an answer. Yeah, and that, and that's that's kind of what I wanted to switch to next is watching the watching the Blazers both in this series and against the Clippers and really throughout the season. You know, obviously, you know Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are a heck of a backcourt and can can put up points on anybody. But you you look at the rest of their team and it it's kind of like a version of the early. 2006ers where it, it, the only difference being they have two guys who could score instead of one but it's basically they've got these two guards that can put up huge numbers and then they've got all these guys that are basically out there to just play defense and set screens and, and kind of do everything else and it especially once Myers Leonard went down with his shoulder injury it just feels like they don't have enough scoring and even even less than scoring just enough shooting everywhere else to take enough pressure off of those guys and space the floor enough for them to really work when they're going up against a really good defense. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's hard because they, they have a bunch of guys that they all, a bunch of wing guys especially, that all bring you know one or two really good skills, but they just don't have the whole package. It's, a, it, you know, like Alan Crabb is probably the best shooter of all of Portland's wings, but, you know, sometimes he can be in and out on defense and he can get lost. And, and you know, Gerald Henderson, athletic, veteran you know calm under pressure but sometimes he gets blinders and is just feeling himself a little too much because he gets like he kind of plays a little bit like Kobe you know it's just like sometimes he gets that you know Gerald yeah. Anderson you know Gerald Anderson yeah, man. See, like Gerald Gerald's very capable of turning into ISO Gerald mode which is a weird thing to say about a role guy right but I mean that's and that's been kind of a weird thing that got Portland to the playoffs but it, it's kind of a problem too and then you've got Harkless and Aminu who are their probably their two best defensive wings but Harkless isn't really a good ball handler, dribbler, not a great shooter either. And Aminu's shooting numbers are good, but just the shot to shot, like he'll swish one and then he'll hit the side of the backboard. It's it, it, it's crazy. So, and, and then he doesn't really have much of a, he's not a good passer. Harkless isn't really a good passer. The best passer outside of CJ and Dame is Mason Plumlee, but he can't shoot. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's where they are. I mean, they just have a bunch of guys that are good at certain things, but just don't have that total package to really get over the hump. Yeah, and that that to me, I mean, that's why I picked Terry Stotts as as coach of the year um, in my my ballot that I'm not allowed to submit anymore because I, I don't vote. But um, but I, I did pick him as my coach of the year because I, you know, not only did I think the Blazers were going to be god awful and and you know be one of the worst teams in the league because I, I just thought they they weren't going to be able to defend anybody. And like I said before, I only thought they had two guys that could really score. But they had all these guys that, that were kind of miscast and, and like, you know, kind of you know, odd fitting pieces. And I, I thought that I thought that Stotts did a pretty miraculous job of finding a way to make all these guys kind of fit together in a in a puzzle enough to to really get the Blazers to score enough to get them not only into the playoffs, but into a, a high enough seed where people at least thought they could, you know, they could even beat the Clippers maybe when they were healthy. Yeah, I mean the the job that Stotts has done it has been nothing short of remarkable and you know every a lot has been made that he's in a contract year you know that he uh everything that i've been hearing indicates that he's probably going to be back uh you know i just think the connection that he's got with lillard and the connection that he's got with the team that the team really responds to him is is something that 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 was a real key for this team i mean you can see his identity on this team i think more so 
in what I talked about at the top, their ability to move on from failure and learn. Stotts is really big on teaching. Uh, I remember Jason Kidd said something when Milwaukee was here that, you know, every day with Terry Stotts is a good day. It's a new day. And so I think that that attitude that every day is a new day, you can always get better. You can always learn something I think has been a major reason why the Blazers are even here. So yeah, no, Terry Stotts has been a great, great coach. All right. So you mentioned this earlier. I mean, not to be crass about the, the Blazers, but I think their season's pretty much over. So I, I, wanna, I mean, functionally. Right. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> while it's, I'll be watching these games this weekend and you know, if, if it wasn't quite as difficult to get there from here, I would have liked to try to get to, uh, at the Rose Garden, because that, that's one of my favorite places to watch a game in the league. But um, you mentioned earlier about about kind of the, the dichotomy between now when fans are upset about second-round losses and, and back in October when, you know, the expectation was let's go try to get Ben Simmons in the draft or, or somebody else at the top of the draft. So what what has it been like seeing this season play out the way it has up there and and watching as, you know, this team that, you know, I think most people understandably thought was going to be significantly worse than last year when they had, you know, a, one of the best starting lineups in the league that, you know, four of those guys wound up leaving the team last summer. Um, what has it been like seeing the transformation from a team that everybody there was kind of resigned to? All right, we've got this fun young team that's probably going to stink and we'll get a high pick into, wow, we have this team that's now in the second round of the playoffs and, and is, is, you know, hanging in games with the defending champs on the road. You know, yeah, it, back in October, I mean, it was incredible where they started from. I think it really started with, uh, as it always does in the league, I believe, with the players. And I think C.J. McCollum was the guy that kind of galvanized everyone at the start. He had 37 points on opening night. Uh, and that kind of like got the most improved player. The, he The bandwagon was already getting full with C.J. McCollum stuff. But, you know, he scored in the playoffs and it was good. But I think still there was a lot of doubt about whether C.J. McCollum could – was he going to be a, a starting shooting guard type scorer, consistent, or was he going to be like Jamal Crawford? Was this backcourt going to be – you know, was this backcourt going to be Monte Ellis and Brandon Jennings or was it going to be closer to, you know, what we've seen with Curry and Thompson? And and, and it's in, it's somewhere in the middle. I mean, they're so good. I, I mean, they're, they're much better than a Jennings-Ellis backcourt. I, I remember looking at before the season that – these two guys were going to be on pace to be, you know, two of the backcourts in the league, putting up 15 shots a game from both positions. And I think CJ just being so good at the beginning, I think that's kind of where it started for this team. And then they, they looked like around Christmas that they were just done. You know, they had a brutal East coast road trip. Lillard started, got hurt. And then I think this, the day after Christmas, they played Cleveland after Cleveland lost to Golden State, and that was the game that everyone talks about with Cleveland and the David Blatt firing. That it may have been a mute, that was probably you know may have been a mutiny by the Cavs or whatever. But that game was kind of a turning point for the Blazers' season because they beat the Cavs by 29 points. And you know when you're a team that everyone was talking about you as Damian Lillard and everybody else, and you beat the Eastern Conference champs by 29 points. Like that is a huge confidence boost. So I think from there they started to progress, and then that's I think when started when fans started to be like, hey, okay, well, the West is not very good. All you know, Houston and Utah were really disappointing at the start of the season, and I just think that all those things came together, and Portland got a chance, and I think fans just started to get behind it. And then I really think when CJ took over the team, when Damian was out, 
to me was kind of the turning point of the season because then the team was like, hey, we're not just Damien and some guys. Like, we're actually good. Yeah, no, and it, it is. It has been kind of amazing to watch it to watch it play out from afar. I mean, I like I said, I thought the Blazers were going to be, if not the worst team in uh, in the league. I thought they were going to be, you know, probably just ahead of the Lakers in the West. I thought they'd have a, a top five or six pick. Um, you know, that's not a knock on Damian Lillard, who I think is great. I just didn't think this team was going to really just going to be very good at all, and it it, it has been a a remarkable turn of events. Now, one thing I've been thinking about a lot lately with Portland watching them is about their backcourt. You know, obviously, you know, Damon, Damon, CJ are a heck of a pairing, but I look at them and especially going into a series like this against Golden State where, you know, Golden State's a little different than a lot of teams, but they're, they're throwing out, you know, basically three, six, seven guys to guard these two. And you've seen through the first couple games what, even though, you know, Dame has gotten hot at times, that that length can really give them some issues. And, you you know, you've got these two small guards who can be bothered a little bit by length on the one end and on the other end aren't very good on, aren't very good defensively. And it makes me wonder, you know, especially with CJ, I think CJ's up for an extension this summer, right? Yeah, he can, he can sign an extension right. this summer. Okay, so it, it makes me wonder, is, is this a pairing that can really work long term? And I've asked different people and gotten different feedback from them. And if if you're if you're looking at the Blazers and and you have to decide, are we going to go all in with CJ McCollum here and give him a big extension because he's certainly going to earn one with when he's scoring twenty points a game, um, whether he gets the extension this summer or as a restricted free agent next summer? Um, what do you what do you think the the long term prognosis is for trying to build a contending team around a backcourt of of Lillard and McCollum? Um, I, I definitely think it's possible. I think Portland is not in a position where, you know, I know McCollum is coveted, but I don't know if if he on the trade market could bring back the type of return that they would want. And I, I just think that breaking up what they have with McCollum and Lillard is, is breaking up something that's special, in my opinion. Uh, I, I think it's not often that you get two guys that are ball dominant guards that are as good and as efficient as they are that are totally cool with the other guy going off and handling the ball and taking over the game. And I think that on, we see this all the time. I mean, I think I remember Phoenix with, when they had all those point guards and like, yeah, obviously that didn't work, but that was because Dragic and Isaiah Thomas and all those guys, they, you know, they were just all these feelings in the air. And I, and I, those feelings aren't there with Damon CJ. And I think if Portland can get the right personnel, I think, what they did this year by getting two defensive-minded wings alongside Damon CJ with Harkless and Aminu has helped. But I think Plumley, Plumley defensively, I just think defensively they just need a guy that can protect the rim, and they don't have they don't have that guy. I, I, Plumley's great; he's active, he's smart, high basketball IQ, a lot of things. But he's just and he was great defensively towards the end of the Clippers series. But we just haven't seen that from him for an extended period. And I, I just don't know whether he can or not. And he's not really a true anchor. And I think defensively, at least behind them, I think that's what they need. I, I think, Dame, if you could get that defensive anchor along with the defensive wing personnel to help them, I think that could be a winning combination. Because I just don't see Portland in the market that they're in 
getting two guys that can score like Damon CJ on the same team. You know, I, I just don't see it getting any better than that, really. Yeah, no, and I, I agree. I just, I, and I, but I think your answer kind of summed up the, the box they're in, right? It's not, it's not a traditional, hey, we've got a couple stars and we can build a team around it. It's like if you're going to build a, a contender with Damian and CJ, you have to do it in a really specific way. And you have to find, you have to find some pieces that fit in a really specific way. And that, that, that's going to be tough for them to do because, I mean, you know, how many teams in the league need good, you know, good wings that can both defend and shoot the three? Basically every team in the league, right? <laughs> so you've <laughs> got to find three or four of those guys if you're going to fill out a rotation that way if you're if you're Portland and and surround them with them so um so yeah I I think that's going to be tough now having seen Mason Plumlee in Brooklyn I I would agree with you I think ideally he's your first big off the bench probably because of his passing ability he's a good enough defender he's a decent offensive rebounder um but he's just not big enough and long enough to really be a an effective rim protector, which is, which is really like you said, what those guys need. And which is why I've been personally intrigued lately to hear about, uh, to hear, hear these rumors that Dwight Howard is interested in Portland. Um, because to me, Dwight Howard makes a lot of sense for the Blazers in terms of their roster construction and giving them, you know, he can run pick and roll with those two guys and, and they can, they could have a guy, even at this point in his career, where Dwight isn't the player he was, say, in 2009 with the Magic, he's still good enough to make an impact there. And and if you if you watch the Blazers say in that in that last series against the Clippers, you know if they had a guy that could you know if they had a guy that could roll to the rim and really be a threat, it it, it would make a lot of difference. So you know what do you think? What do you, how realistic do you think that kind of an option is? And and uh, and how do you think, say, Dwight or, or another big like that might really change the way they look? I think that would that would change a lot of things for them. I think Maurice Harkless. Uh, this isn't this is weird, obviously, because you, you wouldn't think this, but I think Harkless is finishing at the rim gave them a, a, it gave them a huge boost offensively. And if they could get that from the center position, th- when those when the center is the one that are setting most of the screens, I just think that would give such a boost to their offense. They just didn't have anybody that could finish at the basket for most of the year, other than Damon CJ. And if they could get a big guy that could just roll to the rim, suck the defense in, and people actually have to worry about whether that guy's going to score or not, that will take their offense to a whole new level. And they've been a good offensive team this year but I and I think Dwight is a very realistic possibility I mean every team basically has cap room to sign guys and uh there are a lot of big men on the market obviously there there are guys that are a little bit better a little bit younger than Dwight a little bit more productive that are on the market but Dwight has been mentioned with Portland Portland has been mentioned with Dwight it's not uh you know there is a fit there and I think it would be something that the Blazers should explore uh you know blazer fans i think i think fans of most teams hear dwight howard and their team and they get scared but i think that the houston thing was just so toxic and i think that portland's culture i know uh we talk about it a lot but i think it's real and i think that damian lillard as a leader is uh a guy that includes everyone and you know from the first guy to the 15th man Lillard is a is a pretty vocal leader and make sure that everyone's involved. And I think I don't think Dame would lose Dwight like he was. It, it looked like he was lost in Houston. And so I think from that standpoint, too, on a personal level, I think Lillard 
it's just a, I think Lillard is a good fit for most people to come to the locker room. I just think he's a, a very good leader to get along with. And I think if Howard came, I think that would help them basketball wise. And I think it's a good enough uh, personal situation with Lillard as the leader that it would be a good culture for him too. Well, that the, the whole Dwight Howard thing is so annoying to me. I mean, people try to act like Dwight ruins teams that he goes to. I mean, look, if you watch the Rockets this year, did anybody ever pass Dwight Howard the ball? No. No. So, of course, a big guy that doesn't get the ball is going to get annoyed and is not going to be as engaged. That's the way life has always been whenever you've played basketball with any kind of big guy. You have to give them the ball so they get engaged. That's just the way it works. And yeah. on Houston's team, they have a guy, James Harden, who doesn't pass unless he has to. And, and yes, he's a terrific offensive player, but you look at how messed up their team is in terms of chemistry – and it's hard to hard to blame anybody more than James. So, yes, Dwight has had his issues in different spots. However, I think the way you've seen him going through uh the last couple months talking about um talking about the way that he's going to approach free agency and teams that he's going to be interested in, it's clear that he realizes he needs to change his image a little bit. And I I think if you're going to sign Dwight right now, especially if you could get him on a couple, say you sign up for two years for the max where you're not going, you know, four years and going into, I think his age 34 or 35 season, you're going to be getting a guy that is motivated and is, is ready to try to, or at least seems like he'll be ready to try to change the perception of him for people. So to me, this is the perfect time to sign him. And frankly, you know, your point earlier about having trouble getting, getting guys to, Portland, you know, going out and finding another guy like a CJ McCollum and getting him there. This is the kind of chance, this is the opportunity to get a guy like Dwight, even as I said, a little past his prime, to come to a market that, let's be honest, most of the time, you're not going to get a star player to to say, I'm going to go play for Portland or Milwaukee or Orlando, like these teams that, that Dwight is focused on, at least from reports and from what I've heard. Um, it, it it's a, it's an opportunity for the Blazers to make a move, at least in my opinion, where, as you said, it fills a need, and it also gets them a guy that, in most circumstances, probably wouldn't have considered him. Exactly, and I think that, yeah, you look at all the markets that Dwight is choosing, it's all smaller, media markets, it's not, um, at, you know, as, as intense, and, and also, yeah, he obviously wants to change his image a little bit. I think he would fit great, and this is an opportunity that Portland has to get a, a, a uh, you know, past his prime star, but still star caliber player uh, on the right night. You know, I mean, Dwight on the right night can be as dominant as any center in the league. And so uh, to get that opportunity, I think is Portland, it's a unique one. And I think that is one, it's one that Portland has to take seriously because it fills a major need that they have because rim protection obviously is a need that every team has, but especially for this team with that backcourt, uh, I mean, if they could have Dwight Howard in this series, I mean, then then you're really talking that maybe it could actually be a competitive series, like a real a real honest series. Even if the Blazers win a couple of games, I mean, they're not going to win the series. And uh, but yeah, no, having Dwight would be uh, a, a, a huge boost to this team. And but I think there's other centers out there that that are on the market that Portland's going to explore. I mean. Uh, Al Horford's a free agent, obviously, and then there's other guys that maybe could be had uh, on other short-term deals, like Joe Kim Noah. You know, I, I, so there, there's a lot of guys out there that could help Portland, but I think Dwight obviously is the most interesting one, and I think the one that would help 
uh, the specific needs that Portland has most. Right. I mean, this is a guy that's had a 30 and 20 game early this season against the Clippers. So, I mean, he's still clearly capable of putting up numbers in a, especially in a, if, if you can get him kind of coax him through the season and get him to the playoffs as healthy as possible, he could do a lot of damage. Now, so that, so that point about this summer, you know, the Blazers gave up their first round pick in the Aaron Afal trade last year by making the playoffs. So they don't have that, but, um, you know, we, we've kind of hinted around stuff they need to do. But, you know, this is a team with a lot of young guys, a lot of guys that should be back. Um, you know, as, as we head into the summer, you know, if you could, what are, what are some of the key things that, that Portland's going to be going to be looking to try to accomplish? I'm sure, you know, I know I have to look up their roster quick, but I know they've got Myers Leonard who's going to be a restricted free agent. They've got Mo Harkless who's moved into the starting lineup recently who's going to be a free agent. Um, they'll both be restricted. Um Let's see who else is going to be. And Alan, Alan, Crab, Alan, Alan Crab. Crab will also be a free now. Will they have his full his full bird rights, or is he an early bird free agent? Alan no, Crab. I think I believe they have his bird rights. Yeah, because they his third year, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, they have his bird rights, I believe. Um, yeah, and I mean, pretty much not everybody on the team, but I mean, a lot of the players on this team are going to be free agents. Henderson's a free agent. Cayman's up. Uh, he's probably he's not going to be back. Uh, you know, Myers Leonard's up. All those guys are up, and they're going to have. They have a lot of flexibility, which is which is is great for them. But you know, some of their guys uh, are potentially going to get uh, pretty big offers, especially Crab, who was really really good at the beginning of the season, kind of tailed off a little bit. But those shooting numbers after a whole season still look really good. I mean, he was one of the best mid range shooters in the league. Uh, had a great two point percentage, great three point percentage, uh, and I mean, he could play great defense when he's engaged. And so I think Crab is a guy that could cost you know. Uh, a lot of money to bring back. I think Harkless has played his way into some money, especially in the playoffs. Uh, and then Myers Leonard, uh, that is a huge question mark because uh, obviously uh, as some people may have heard they offered an extension. He wanted a higher number. They balked and they didn't sign him. And so um, Harkless, uh, you know, also they, you know, wanted to extend him. That didn't happen. I mean, it's just, there's so much money out there this summer there's no reason really for any of those guys to take money before the season and now though it's it's creating some interesting situations especially with Harkless Crab and and Leonard specifically I Henderson is a guy that maybe they could bring back but I just don't think there's the demand's going to be quite as high for at for him as for those other three yeah I wouldn't think so either and let's let's run through those three guys let's start with let's start with probably the most intriguing one which is Leonard um you know, he played 60 games this year, you know, mostly came off the bench, has has always been a guy that's been kind of a lot of potential and not necessarily a lot of production. Um, you know, he's shown flashes. He, he This year he shot, you know, uh, you know, 37% from three, which is, you know, which is a pretty intriguing thing given he's this big athletic, you know, six, you know, six eleven, seven foot guy. Um but you know it he like i said you know for his career he's averaging 5 points and 4 rebounds in 16 minutes a game and and you know he's never averaged more than 10 points a game in a season and he's coming off of a surgery for a torn labrum in his shoulder so you know how, how much you know they offered him i want to say was it 4 for 50 yeah, I think it was something in that, like in, that in that in that range and i heard that it was it, he wanted something around the 60 million dollar range I think is what is what I what I've heard is right. either he wanted sixty million or yeah it, it, it was something sixty million was a number that I had heard thrown around but 
which is, you know, and, you know, that number, you know, you think about the John Henson contract. I mean, that's the starting point for all these big guys, right? You know, right. four for 44. So uh, Myers Leonard looks at that and he's like, all right, well, you know, they, they offered him 50. I'm sure he wanted 60. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that Myers's number could be as high as $15 million a year. So if 60 sounds, you know, if he wants 60, he thinks he can get 60. And so uh, I just don't know if Portland's going to pay that. That's, that's the big question. And, and, He's you he rattled off his career stats and he's a great I think he's a great shooter, um, you know, as a big man, it's it kind of a funky looking release, but it goes down most of the time. He had a terrible slump to start the season, hurt his shoulder initially, came back and shot better before getting hurt again. He shot 40 percent last year, but took over defense, half his shots from three too. yeah, I mean, he's yeah, he's a weird player and uh, there aren't many guys like him, but he's a weird the thing about Myers Leonard that is is really frustrating and intriguing is that the better the center the Blazers are playing, the more valuable he becomes. And in a league where you've got well, in a division where you've got to face Carl Anthony Towns four times a year, um, you know that type of skill could be even more valuable. But is it valuable enough to pay him fifteen million dollars a year when he's kind of slow footed, not really a rim protector, and? Uh, you know, has just had defensive struggles for most of his career. It's a really tough call. And I don't, I don't think he's really worth that much. I think Myers Leonard is going to be the poster child for the insanity that's about to come this summer. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like I said, this is a guy who's never averaged more than five rebounds a game. It's a guy who's never scored more than eight points a game, never played more than 22 minutes a game, has started a total of 26 games in his career. Lost his starting spot to a twenty-year-old this summer, right? Yeah, right. So, like, you you put all these things together and you look at it, and it's it to me, it's very very difficult to justify giving him even fifty million dollars. You know, he's he's a guy like you said, he's he's an excellent shooter for a big guy, but he he just hasn't proven he can do a lot of the other stuff he needs to do. But at the same time. He's going to get paid, and he's going to get paid a lot of money. I would not be surprised at all if he got fourteen or fifteen million dollars a year, and some team looked at him and said, "We can plug him in and make him our starting center, and we can really space the floor, and 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 he can he can do a lot of the things for us that that we that every team wants their big guys to do now." But it, it'll just be fascinating to see how high that number goes. And to your point. If the Blazers are willing to turn around and make him, you know, and match that offer and keep him, so so let's just say he gets a an offer for four years and sixty million, which I think is exceedingly possible, and I wouldn't be surprised if he got more than that, just given how much money is going to be out there. And Enos Cantor got a max deal, right? Enos Cantor got a max deal from <laughs> Portland, you know, got offered yeah. a max deal by the Blazers, and, and you know, Myers Leonard can can really shoot the ball and with the the fetish around the league now for shooting you know him getting him getting 15 or 16 or 17 million dollars a year or more isn't going to surprise me if you look at some of the money that's going to get thrown around so so let's let's say he gets offered four for 64 we'll even it up it a little bit and it's 16 million a year what does neil Shea do or what do you, what, you I guess you we'll call, do it you, this way if, I don't know you call Dwight Howard well at that point at that well, point okay so let, let's <laughs> do it this way let's say he gets offers four for 64 what do you do if it's you and what do you think Portland does if it's me I god this is this is really tough because I it, it I wouldn't do it I wouldn't I would not do it I would try and 
I would almost think that it's it's worth it more for your team with Damon CJ to spend that type of money on a defensive center that can help you defensively. And uh, that I think is, is is the dilemma that they're in. Do they believe Myers is a worker? I mean, he 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 has gotten a little bit better. His progress maybe stagnated a little bit this year. You know, his assistant his his assistant for the last three years, Kim Hughes, was fired this summer. So uh you know, he, he didn't have his coach there. So maybe it kind of stunted his growth a little bit, but still I, I just, yeah, I, I think that price is going to be just be too much for Portland to swallow, especially when there's a lot of centers out there that can really help them now. And I, I don't know if they now where they are now, they just made the second round. I don't know if they have time to wait on Myers Leonard anymore. Right. Right. No. And I, I, I think it'd be tough. I mean, you know, what did we just spend all this time talking about, right? If you're going to build a team, around these two guys, you've got to have an anchor that can really protect the rim and be a defensive force for you. And Myers, at least to this point, has not proven that he is capable of doing that. So it would make it tough to turn around and then pay him, you know, at least starting center money, if not more, and and try to turn him into that. Um, so yeah, I think I think if it's in that $15, $16 million range, it's going to be fascinating to see, to see what the Blazers do. Because I, I, he might be, you know, as a 24-year-old guy, he might be the kind of guy that that teams look at and go, "Hey, I could I could snatch that guy with this cap space and and have somebody that fits the way we want to play." Um, so I'll be I'll be very curious to see to see what happens with him. Now, Maurice Harkless is a guy that I I followed when he was at St. John's, being in New York. Um, you know, he's coming into league, came into the league really young. He doesn't turn twenty three until actually, I guess what next week. Um, you know, really didn't get a chance to play a whole ton last year in um, in Orlando after playing a lot his first years in the league. Gets traded for basically nothing to the Blazers this summer. And, uh, you know, after after kind of not seeing a ton of playing time early, has really become kind of a, a key piece for them, as you mentioned, the playoffs, playing, you know, close to 30 minutes a game, average of 10 points a game, um, you know, at least is, is a good defender, does a lot of different stuff. Um I think he got offered what four for uh, as a train goes by in the background here in Oklahoma City. Uh, he uh, he got they offered him I think four for twenty this summer, right? And he turned it down. Uh, I, I don't know the numbers, so I'm going to trust you on that one. I think uh, I, I think, know that they I know that they offered him an extension and he turned it down, but I don't know what the number was. Yeah, I think I think it was five year. I think it was around five million a year, um, which would have been a great deal. Yeah, <laughs> but for them, it, right, <laughs> yeah. right. Now and like what. I'm sure you've been a little surprised at the way he's come on as the seasons seasons progress, but um, you know, what do you think that their view is of him um, long term in terms of you know, do they think he is a starter? Do they do they think this is just kind of a makeshift thing? Like, what what do you, what do you think? Um, what have you thought of the way he's progressing, and where do you see him fitting into what they're trying to do going forward? You know, uh, Harkless is really he's just found a really good fit because he doesn't need the ball as a wing. He's not like Crab or Hart or Henderson, who you know both are better with the ball in their hands. Uh, I think he's really his, his cutting off the ball, his offensive rebounding. He's kind at, of a bigger version of Henderson, right? 
I mean, at, kind, least at this yeah. point, I mean, it's yeah, not, kind of not without, exactly. without the without the ISO, he just right. can't really dribble. Yeah, <laughs> well, right, exactly. Which which almost is better because then he doesn't get himself into any of that kind of stuff. No, that's true. Yeah, he knows his. I, I think he knows his limitations a little bit more. And and now, I think early in the season, Portland tried to get him to post up more, and they they would run pick and roll with him, and they just they stopped doing that after like two months, and they were just right. like, forget it. <laughs> uh, and so uh, the, he's just uh, at the cutting, the offensive rebound. And he gets out in transition. He's really fast. He's really explosive. I think he he can fit into their long term plans. I think he's really worked hard on his shot. It's gotten better in the playoffs as he's played more. I mean, he shot seventeen percent for Orlando last year. I mean, he he has really rehabilitated himself with the Blazers, and I think he does have a long term fit. I mean, he's so young, as you said, he's not even twenty three yet, and uh, I think. The price will be the price point on on Harkless is going to be interesting, but I think he's something he's someone that Portland wants to bring back. He he gets along with Lillard really well. Uh, again, you know, I, I'm sure people have heard that story that you know Harkless wasn't playing a lot, and you know that Jason Quick reported that you know Lillard texted Harkless to you know stay engaged, and Harkless did because Harkless you know has kind of had a a uh, history of getting lost when he doesn't play, you know, in Orlando last year, he got stuck even behind Devin Marble. And so, you know, he kind of got lost and was in and out and he stayed engaged and, 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 and he's, I think he's really found a home here. I think almost he would want to stay in Portland. Um, it, it seems like to me, so I, I don't know what the price would be, but I think they will work something out just because I think he's found a place here. And I think, uh, the Blazers really like what he brings because, like you said, he doesn't need the ball. He just rebounds and runs the floor and defends, and and that's the guy that they that's the perfect guy to have around Damon CJ. Yeah, and then you just hope that he can he can become a a decent three point shooter eventually, right? Like that's the that that'll be the thing because like he'll probably sign, I would guess, for somewhere like eight to ten million a year. I would guess. Um, just to, just given where the market is and and his skill set but you know if he can you know he he went from you know like you said he got up to 28% this year he shot 38% a couple of years ago um from 3 i mean if if they could get him say for 4 years and 36 or 4 years and 40 and he can become a 35% free three point shooter with the rest of his skill set that it becomes a great deal, and and to to our discussion earlier, like you said, he becomes the perfect guy for them to start playing around CJ and Dame. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be. I think he definitely has a chance to to, to do that. I mean, his shot doesn't look bad. I it, it doesn't. It, it looks good. I just think, um, you know, now that he's in an offense where he's being told, hey, when you're open, you get to sh- you just shoot it, just you know, every time, and 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 it's kind of a free flowing type of system that encourages that. I think now that. Uh, he's had this experience of playing with the starting lineup, knowing what's expected of him, being in the playoffs uh, because this is his first playoff ever. I mean, I think this this year has been huge for Harkless, and and the fact that Portland gave, I mean, it was not a pick that they're never going to convey to the Magic for him, I, literally nothing. So, uh, I mean, that that was a great move by by Neil Olshay, and yeah, it, it it probably will be. Uh, I think I think you're right there, eight to ten million. That sounds about right for the that's the going rate for your for the Wings these days. Yeah, and, and I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if he got more, but I, I think the fact that he hasn't shown much of an ability to shoot the three will probably help depress his market enough that they can get him at a decent number. And you know, and and again, if he can if he can bump that up a little bit, you know, we'll see where it goes. And and, and the, you know, like you said earlier, the the other guy that's intriguing for the for the Blazers is Alan Crabb. 
you know, another pretty young guy he turned, you know, he turned 24 last month and here he's a, you know, he's another guy that's a really good shooter. Um, you know, he's kind of, he's, he, you know, for every, when everybody's trying to find these wings that can shoot, you know, he, he had almost 40% from three, took three and a half a game, um, you know, played a good chunk of minutes for the Blazers this year. Um, how is he, how is he kind of fit into things and, and, and what do you see as his, uh, as his long-term situation? Uh, he's fit really well. I think actually in, in, the tough part about this series with the Warriors is that, you know, you take out Harkless and Aminu and you lose your best defenders, but you got to get some offense out there because nobody else can really dribble. And, 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 but Crab is like one of the only guys on the team that can really dribble. He can create, he can get that mid, <laughs> he can get that mid range shot. I mean, he, he is really, really smooth. And even when he's having a bad game or bad weeks, he never lets it really bother him. I mean, the closest I've ever seen him to getting bothered was in that first round series because he was having a bad series against his hometown team. He's from L.A. So he was a little disappointed. But most other times than that, I mean, he's always an even keel. They call him Cool Breeze. Uh, he is just a very relaxed guy. Um, and I think that that has, has really helped him. He's really coming to his own defensively. He has a lot of length. I think he has, I think, about a seven-foot wingspan for a six-six guy. And or at least like six eleven or something, some crazy wingspan for his size, and he can bother shots a lot of times. And I think he, uh, I think he's got a lot of value. And I think if if Portland could keep him, that would be a huge asset to them. But uh, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be beating down the door for Alan Crabb, uh, especially because he's he started to play well again in the playoffs, and I think that's only going to increase his value more. I don't think he's going to get more than Myers Leonard, but he could get. Um, he could be in that in that I think he could be around the twelve fourteen million dollar range a year. I mean he's he's been that good for most of the year, and I think that other teams. I mean everyone wants wings, as you've said. Right. No, that's. I mean it's funny. You know everybody was like, oh, we got to get rid of centers off of the All Star ballot. We got to get centers off the All. Like this, you know, we got to just get rid of. Who cares about these centers? Well, guess what? Nobody has any wings. Like <laughs> pretty much every team in the league who's good has a center that's pretty good or a couple of them. And nobody can find these wings to play small. You know, everybody wants to play these four out systems. And if you don't have any big or if you don't have any wings that can shoot the ball and and play a little defense, it's kind of impossible to play. So um, let's say he does sign for four for 52. Do, Do you think that do you think that that is too rich for the Blazers or do you think that keeps him there? I think the Blazers. I think that would. <clears throat> I think that. I think the Blazers would w- want to keep Crab. To me, I think he's number one on their list as far as uh, other than CJ getting a CJ extension done. I'm sure that that's probably number one on their list. But other than that, I think that of the free agents, I think Crab is the free agent that is the most important for them to keep. Uh, I just. I know Harkless is really coming to his own, but uh, Crab's offense off the bench. He m- was part of their most used fourth quarter lineup. Uh, lineup that closed games a lot of times with Aminu at four and Damon CJ. And so, and he usually takes the number one assignment uh, of the best perimeter player down the stretch in games. Uh, he hasn't played as much towards the end of games because Harkless has been so good, but I don't know if they can lose that. And I think having those two guys, I think the, the, the Harkless crab tandem is the, is the, is the top priority for them. And then I think Leonard after that. And, and, and since you mentioned it, what, what do you think it'll take to get CJ an extension get an extension for CJ done this summer? Do you think it's a max? 
I think he's capable. I, I think he's. I think he is. I think he's gonna. He could negotiate for a max. I think it, he has been that good. He showed that without Lillard, if you know, if Lillard were to get hurt, that he can run the show. Uh, I, I think that he, he's proven his value as a lead guard, as the backup point guard, as a shooting guard. I think that if I mean, look at all the guys that are getting max money. If CJ McCollum isn't worth max money, I don't know who is. Yeah, well, I agree, and that and that's why you know to me it would probably make sense if they if they can get him to agree to anything less than the max this summer, they probably should just go ahead and lock him up because the cap's going to go up again, and you know he probably business wise he'll probably be smarter to just wait another year and try to try to get money next summer. But if like if they can get him for for anything less, they should. Now, one person who also doesn't necessarily have a contract for next season, which we haven't talked about yet, we probably should have, is Terry Stotts been some reporting recently that Stotts is uh I believe he's got a team option for next season if I remember that right and hasn't been picked up yet and he would like a long-term deal um do you do you think there's any chance that whenever this series is over and presumably Portland is out of the playoffs that there there will be some kind of a Frank Vogel in Indiana situation or do you think that um one way or the other this will get worked out and Stotts will be in Portland for a while I'm not. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't see a Vogel situation happening here. Uh, I, I think um, you know Stotts and Olshay came in together. That's one thing to to remember. Uh, uh, Olshay is the one who brought him in, obviously, and and also the Blazers just have a uh, a policy, or at least Olshay has said it several times that they have a policy. They just don't they don't talk about contracts. The last time they extended Stotts, they waited. They did it the day after they were eliminated from the playoffs. Um, and just reporting that I've heard, I just don't. I just don't see. You know the the thing that Larry Bird talked about is that you know the the guys need a new voice and stuff like that. Well, I, I just don't think that you know Stotts has no better advocate <clears throat> behind closed doors than Damian Lillard. I just don't you know from what I've heard that Lillard is not gonna you know I, I don't think Lillard's gonna let them get rid of Stotts. Uh, I, I think that Lillard really stands by him and uh, and so I from that perspective I know that there hasn't been an announcement. I know that there hasn't, but I, I just from my read on it and my reporting, I just I, I don't see any other scenario where Terry Stotts isn't the coach at the start of next season. Yeah, I uh I certainly would I certainly would think that would make the most sense. Um, you know, he's had a I like I said, I voted for him for coach of the year. So uh, you know, he he deserves to have the job. And and to your point, you look at their roster and he's kind of a perfect fit for it because they're gonna need a coach that's gonna be able to find he's gonna have to find some ways to be creative offensively because you're gonna have these two guys that can score and then you're gonna have to manufacture offense from a lot of these defensive guys you have to put around them and you might as well have a guy like Stotts there, um, who who's already shown, already proven capable of doing it. So that would make a lot of sense. Um, Eric, this has been great. Thank you for uh, thank you for coming on. Um, before I let you go, though, um, let the people know where they can find you on the various social media apparatuses. And I know you've been doing good work lately. So if you've got some stuff you want to plug, tell some people some things to read. Yeah, uh, well, you can always check out uh, my stuff that's run in the Colombian at Colombian.com slash Blazers. That's Colombian with a U, not like the country. Uh, and then the if you just Google Blazer Banter, you can find my blog where I have you know film breakdowns in between games during the playoffs uh, and you know other news and stuff like that, other analysis. And uh, I also do a podcast occasionally with uh, Sean Hyken out in Chicago called the Bulls versus Blazers podcast. Which after you listen to Posting Up, you can uh, get Bulls versus Blazers in the queue on iTunes or you know Stitcher, all those places. So uh, yeah, uh, 
Thanks for uh, having me on, Tim. I really appreciate it. It was fun. Sure, man. No, and you should definitely check out Eric and Sean's pod. And uh, Eric does great work covering the Blazers, so check him out for sure. You can find my work at the Washington Post. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps or Facebook at Tim Bontemps NBA. Um, please give the podcast a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It would be appreciated. Uh, only five stars. Th- only five stars. Nothing less. Uh, it's Five Star Friday. <laughs> five, there you go. Five Star Friday. I like that. Um, thank you to Glenn Yoder and the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. Um, that's also appreciated as always. Uh, Eric, thanks again, man. This has been great. Um, oh, one, one last question. Do you think the Blazers win a game or not? I think they win a game. They're not getting swept. Which game? Um, I think they win this one. I think they win game three. I I think Saturday night, I think, I think they'll, I think they'll be vibing. I I, I think the... (laughs) Five thirty, five thirty. I mean, early tip. I, I think, I think, I think game three they'll get it. But uh, yeah, I, I think they'll they'll have a little fight. They get one for sure. Yeah, I hope so. Like I said, the Rose Garden's one of my favorite places to uh, to watch a game. And uh, Saturday night there uh, with the Warriors coming in, I'm sure it's going to be chaos. So um, I'm excited to watch. So Eric, thanks again, man, for coming by, and to everybody listening, thank you, and we'll talk to you again soon.